Hey, y'all, when the polls close on Super Tuesday, join the Jasons and the whole WFAA team for a one-of-a-kind look at how Texans voted. Download the WFAA Plus streaming app on your smart TV to watch their election night results special Tuesday, March 5th. Hey, y'all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. All right, hey everybody, we are back for another week of Yolitics, and you can keep the sunglasses on. I should take on. them off probably, right? Keep them on. I didn't realize that. Uh, we, we've uh, stepped out, uh, we haven't gone far this time, but we had to get out of the office. Right. It's a nice day, or at least we said that before we came outside. Uh, here we are in February. It's what, 80 degrees today? 80 degrees, man. Uh, I'm not ready for this. Uh, is it both. Is it too early to complain about the heat? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Texas, though, right? Yeah, but we got a couple of cold ones uh, here today. We stopped at uh, a legendary place in Dallas, uh, in Dallas called yeah. Fuel City. It's just in the shadows of downtown right there on Riverfront. And uh, it's, it's very well known. It's like uh, they used to have steers out there. Do you remember that? I don't know yeah. if they still do. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're still, still there? there? The Longhorns okay. are still there? Daryl says that the, the, the Longhorns are still there uh, outside. They've got a little bit of property there right by the Trinity River. And a uh, you know, bunch of uh, gas pumps, car wash, et cetera. It's, it's sort of like a Bucky's before, I guess, Bucky's became a huge thing. Right. It's kind of like the local Bucky's for North Texas. They're all over the place. I think there's, what, almost a dozen of these fuel cities. Yeah, and so, they're known for their tacos. They are, and that's what you left out. Here, here's two things. So we splurged for some... Uh, some imports yeah. this week because of the topic we're on. So we have Victoria beer, but here's what I found out. So we're, we're, we're eating the tacos here next to the loud road next to us. Yeah. And I just discovered that the ride on the money guy never carries cash, <laughs> which is phenomenal to me. I, I think I have one emergency dollar in my car uh, and that's it. So like, guess who bought the tacos? <laughs> it wasn't this guy right here. So See, so it, apparently it's smart not to carry cash because somebody else buys. Uh, it's a cash only operation for the tacos there. Uh, and I'm having a quesadilla, you're having some tacos. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a, a, a ding on me for not having cash. Uh, a ding on Whiteley though, because uh, we would have recorded this at Fuel City, uh, but we saw the sign there that said it's a misdemeanor to consume alcohol on the premises. Uh, and, and Whiteley says, well, I mean, what do you think? What do you think? And I go, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, it, yeah, no, yeah. It's not a matter of not getting caught, and it's not a matter of, you know, like, are we doing the right thing or the wrong thing? We would actually be recording ourselves breaking the law, which is never smart. Yeah. No, Even I, though I, it's just a misdemeanor. I was thinking, like, do we sit in the car or do we do something else? I think that's still considered on the premises. But, and you might true. be breaking a different law if we're both, you know, sitting in a car drinking. Open, so. conta open containers, exactly. So to the patio at work it was, uh, and we're both having Victoria, uh, which is... Hecho uh, in Mexico. Hecho in Me Mexico. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what state uh, that's uh, made in there. Uh, I didn't look. Uh, at any rate, oh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Imported though out of Chicago. Chicago. Interesting. Okay. Never mind, it's right across the border. But my guess is this was driven across the border, and that's exactly what our podcast is about today. Absolutely. Phenomenal. I think this is phenomenal. Uh, what happened? The, the, you know, everyone's heard of Laredo. It's it, it's a busy port as always. The port of Houston's yeah. a busy port. The inland port in uh, North Texas, just um, south of Dallas, is a busy one. Mm -hmm. But no one quite realizes today how busy Laredo is. 
they are importing more. The, the, the value of imports coming through Laredo yep. is more than anywhere else in the country. That's phenomenal to me. We're, Long Beach, mm -hmm. New York, Houston, yep. Seattle, you name it. Yeah, you're used to seeing those huge cranes at the seaports in places like Long Beach and LA. Uh, Puerto Laredo blows that away in terms of value traded uh, this past year. And I mean, you know, this isn't a huge port there in Laredo, but last year, Port of Laredo uh, saw $320 billion in trade going back and forth. Uh, the next closest one was Port of Los Angeles, which was at like $298 billion. So the Port of Laredo bested Los Angeles by 20-something billion dollars. Uh, it just gives you an idea of the staggering amount of stuff that's going back and forth across the Texas-Mexico border. It's that other thing that's coming across the Texas-Mexico border. We've been inundated right. lately, of course, you know, heading into primary season with all these ads, all these news reports of, you know, the, the, the immigration uh, there along the border. This is the story that rarely gets told, though, uh, of the other stuff that's coming across. And, and, you know, this is not an economics podcast here by any means. This is a political podcast, and the politics around this is, is exactly what we're talking about today. So, you know, the, the Republicans have successfully made the border their number one issue for 2024. It was for uh, 22 and 20 and, and, and previous years as well. But more than ever before, the political attention right now is on the border and the number of people coming across mm -hmm. who are undocumented, not necessarily asylum seekers, but people who do not have permission to be here. They're coming across. Yeah. So and this has caused firm, some friction, too. It's caused a lot of friction politically. The, the other the other big thing that we're going to discuss here is that Mexico now for the first time has leapfrogged Canada and China, not as Texas's number one trading partner. It's been Mexico and Texas have had you know number one status with each other for a long time. For the United States, yep. For the United States, so so here we are with you know Mexico bringing so much value, so many jobs, and so much money to the to the wallets of Texans and Americans, and it's also the boogeyman in politics. So it's 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 sort of this tightrope that has to be walked, and there's no one better to talk to about this uh, than Dr. Ray Perryman, Perryman with the Perryman Group uh, in Waco, I believe is where they're uh, situated because lawmakers in this state read the stuff that Ray Perryman and the Perryman Group puts out. They, they look at this stuff when they're in legislative sessions and it actually, uh, I think, influences some of the legislation that they work on and some of the policies uh, that they craft. Uh, so his stuff is, is, is very credible, very widely watched. Uh, and we got Ray Perryman on the line. He's a busy guy too. So uh, thankfully he set aside like 25 minutes for us. Uh, and we got him on the line to talk about the significance of the numbers that we're seeing and you know how that plays out for all of us and what it means for politics uh, here in, in Texas. Hey y'all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting for another smart conversation on Eolitics the unofficial political podcast of Texas. So Dr. Perryman, thanks so much for, for being on here with us and for uh, putting this in easily digestible uh, reports for us uh, to figure out this huge impact. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about this Forbes uh, headline that I saw a couple of days ago. It said, U.S. does more trade with Mexico in 2023 than any nation ever. Uh, I mean, this, uh, that's pretty substantial when you start talking about that. Texas and Mexico have always been top trading partners with each other. 
But now Mexico is the U.S.'s biggest trading partner and record setting so. That's right. It is the biggest year we ever had with any country. And historically, Mexico has been, uh, Canada has been first, China China sometimes is first. Usually Mexico, China, and, and uh, Canada were always the top three, but Mexico had never been the top trading partner before for the U.S. So, Ray, how did that happen? How did Mexico leapfrog ahead of the other two? Well, I think a couple of things happened. Number number one, obviously, China's had some economic difficulties, hasn't really solved some of their supply chain issues, and they've had some challenges in their economy, and so that theirs has slowed down to some extent. But and then basically, Mexico has just continued to grow the in, the development cross border development of manufacturing firms and that sort of things continue to expand. A lot of people don't realize it, but it's quite common to see goods pass back and forth four or five times during the production process as part of it's produced in the United States, part of it's produced in Mexico and that sort of thing. And and uh, people don't realize just how integrated these two economies really are. Well, how, how much has the Chinese yeah. nearshoring uh, had an impact on this too? Are the Chinese moving their plants closer to us over here and still, you know, really wielding their influence? Uh, that, there's a there's a certain amount of that going on. Is there is some nearshoring of, of that type going on. We're also seeing nearshoring of, of other Asian countries bringing plants to Mexico as well, as well as a few European countries, but primarily from Asia. But we are seeing that, and that does have some impact on it. I think you'll see more of that later. That process is really kind of in its infancy, uh, but it has started to some extent. Yeah, because, you know, these uh, these other countries like a China, for example, uh, you know, they're dealing with tariffs if they try to trade directly with the U.S. from China. But if they can open up a factory in Mexico, they can stamp it with made in Mexico and still be able to get in without having to deal with those tariffs. Correct. That's right. Mo most goods don't have tariffs flowing back and forth between the United States and Mexico, thanks to first NAFTA and then subsequently the USMCA. Uh, we basically have free trade with Mexico, which is and Canada, which is very positive for the economy. I want to put some numbers on this here too. I think four hundred seventy-one billion dollars in gross product for between Texas and Mexico, um, and and three point six million jobs. Uh, th that's a tremendous amount. When when people talk about Mexico today, it's all mired in politics and what's happening on the border. But but a lot of people are making money off of what's going on back and forth across the uh, Rio Grande. Yeah. Well, Jason, that's one reason we decided to put these numbers together, which is kind of give people a perspective on that. I mean, you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, there's basically 13, 14 million people working in Texas right now. 3.6 million of those jobs are directly or indirectly tied to the fact that we trade with Mexico. I mean, that is an enormous source of manufacturing. It's an enormous source of, of retail and distribution and many other factors uh, in our economy. And I think people, one reason we put these numbers together was just kind of remind people that there's a lot going on right now, but don't lose sight of the underlying economics of all this. Yeah. And you put a fine point on that, too, in the report. You said about, and this is a staggering thing to wrap your head around, about 25% of all activity in the vast Texas economy, 25% of it is tied to interactions with Mexico directly. That's pretty stunning. It is stunning. It really is. And, and obviously that involves the entire supply chain and everything, but but it's a, it's a huge impact and it's developed over a long period of time and and beginning with the Maquila Door programs almost 50 years ago, where we could begin to be, bring parts of goods back and forth across the border, the assembly process, and take advantage of the strengths of both countries. And then, of course, being accelerated with, with the subsequent trade agreements. Uh, and, and, and then just the overall just growth in the Texas economy itself has created a lot of opportunities for this type of dynamic expansion. But you can go back to things like I'm sorry, you can go back to things like the Toyota plant in San Antonio, mm -hmm. one of the key, which really brought Texas uh, out of the doldrums in terms of economic development a number of years ago. 
one of the key things driving that was the fact that so many component parts could be produced in northern Mexico. I want to loop back to something that uh, Jason just touched on a moment ago and that you uh, were responding to and, and and just wanting to put this report out, you know, in light of what's going on down at the border. Uh, you wanted to put this out to show that, hey, there's a lot of benefit, to, uh, you know, to these two countries having good ties here. When you say that, you know, obviously, you know, people like us are going to read this. Uh, maybe some lay people uh, will come across this on the Internet and read it. People who are interested in business. How much of it was you trying to put this out there also for lawmakers as we, you know, get ready to go into an election season here and then another legislative session here in Texas in this uh, next year? Well, I, di I didn't really start out with that type of agenda. I mean, we we put out a lot of information for people and put out a lot of information that we don't charge anybody for, uh, mm -hmm. like this, just just for for public benefit. Uh, obviously, I've been doing this a long time, and and lawmakers do read a lot of our stuff, and I do get a lot of of calls from them and contact from them and that sort of thing from uh, both so, sides of the aisle too. Yeah, absolutely, both sides of the aisle. That's the way we we like for it to be. In fact. Uh, a columnist not long ago wrote a column and called me an equal opportunity offender. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> These days it is. You know, what I like, you know what I like about the, the report here is that you don't sidestep the politics of what's going on down there. Sure, you talk about the, the huge economic benefits between the two countries, but you do talk about what's happening at the border, the current political situation down there as well. And, and, and you, you note the inefficiencies that that has resulted in from the imports and the exports back and forth across the the river there. Uh, and you, you talk about how uh, this has led to notable economic losses, slowdowns led to a loss of $1.6 billion in output, and about 16,000 jobs. That's a lot to me. And and and, and uh, Jason, that was just in the border region. We, we measured those numbers just for the border region because that's where we, we had enough data we felt like we, we could adequately measure that. I mean, that's a huge impact when, you, when you're talking about the the, the Texas border region. And, and absolutely, that, that's caused by a lot of the inefficiencies. And we didn't we didn't try to assign it to any one particular thing or anything like that. But it's just the overall process that's going on there that's slowing things down. I think there's plenty of, of blame to go around for everybody on that one. Well, well, you know, it, it does sound like a lot, but but politically, this issue is still red hot. At at what point d d does the table turn and and, and the, the weight shift to, OK, politics is great and this is really helping me out with whatever I'm doing politically. But this is also costing people jobs and it's costing a lot of Texans in their wallets. Well, hopefully what we, we can do with with this type of information is help to get that narrative out there and change that narrative. I mean, in addition to to uh, releasing the, the the blast that we did that you guys saw, you know, I did my syndicated column on the topic. We did our, my, did my daily radio show on the topic. I mean, we're doing what we can to try to just remind people that there is a lot at stake here and uh, in, in, in finding some, some real solutions and some workable solutions and sort of trying to put the politics aside. I mean, both both sides are are trying to do various things in this, in this I think, with some politics involved, no question. But, uh, but there's very real economic activity at stake here. Yeah. When you start talking about the politics of this, um, is this more complicated than it has been in the past or is it more fraught than it has been in the past? You've been looking at these Texas-Mexico uh, trade numbers since before NAFTA. And uh, I mean, that that almost sounds prehistoric these days because we've got the USMCA. Wow. Now we had NAFTA for many years before that. And I'm not aging any of us by saying that. But you've been doing this for a very long time. Are the politics more fraught now than they've ever been, or is this sort of business as usual? 
Well, what's happened is what we haven't had in the past is this mass immigration, primarily from Central America. We haven't had that historically. And frankly, I don't think anything either party is doing right now is going to do a lot to solve that problem, because I think what we're going to have to do, and it's a, it's difficult, it's controversial, but what I think we're going to have to do is help those countries solve their problems. I mean, I put myself as a parent and a grandparent. If I had a kid who was living in a country that's had an eight-year drought, that's an agrarian country and on the verge of starving to death, or a kid who's in a country overrun by gangs that are killing kids right and left, and I have a choice of living living in that environment or trying to get out of that environment, the, 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 the motivation to get out of that environment transcends economics and everything else. And if, if you get to the border, you don't get in, you go back the next day, you face the same choice. And I mean, I, I think we're going to have to address the problems in those countries and try to help get something there because most people would like to stay where they, where they grew up and stay where they live. I mean, most people aren't looking to move to a different country, but they're under a situation where they feel like they have no choice. And I think we're going to have to address that problem, which I, neither party is really uh, honing in on that right now. Not to date us again here, as Wheeler said, but I mean, you know, we've seen administration after administration going back to the 80s, probably a lot, a lot further than that, try to address the, the you know, inequalities in, in a lot of these places, the economic inequalities. And it just hasn't worked, Republicans and Democrats over the years. How do you think this is going to end this whole red hot political situation along the border? Well, it, it, it has been difficult over the years. You know, President Reagan uh, uh, had some fairly significant uh, initiatives on this. President Johnson had some fairly significant yeah. initiatives on this. I mean, it, it goes back a long way, and people have been trying to uh, to address this type of issue. I think, that, again, I think in this situation, I think what has brought it to a head, and is, as as Jason was saying, bring, brings it to, the, uh, to, to a higher level is the sheer volume of the influx that's happened hopefully is enough of a wake-up call to make us see we really are going to have to do something to make it where these people feel like they have a choice. I mean, I think that's their biggest issue right now. It's nothing we're doing at the border is making them is making their choice if they face the next day at home any better. And and that's why I think again the politics has gotten crazy and there's a you know a lot of back and forth and people making political hay out of it. But I think they're all trying to deal with deal with it deal with the problem at the wrong place. I mean I, I don't think the border is a place you can deal with the problem. You have to deal with it before it gets to the border. Yeah, you know Lopez Obrador, the current president in Mexico has not been shy uh, with his criticism of Governor Abbott here in Texas. Uh, you know, there's no love lost there. Uh, I'm curious, you know, when you get to that point where there's sort of some pot shots being taken back and forth and the rhetoric seems to be heating up, is this you know, economic powerhouse along the, our border here, this trade back and forth, is it such a machine that it can sort of keep on rolling no matter what that's like and if some policies are instituted and that sort of thing? Or is it possible to spoil, you know, what has been very, you know, very much responsible for the so-called Texas miracle? Well, it, it would be hard to spoil it. I mean, I mean, because it has been integrated very significantly over a period of decades, but certainly you can impact it and, and impact the, the extent to which it can grow and that type of thing. And there, there's, and, you know, there's a lot, there's just so many issues here. I mean, for example, the busing issue. Uh, busing has been a big part of migration for years. And what's, but how it's normally happened is a family comes across the border, they have a relative in another state and they try to get a bus ticket to go, to go start a life. Uh, and sometimes governments have subsidized those, and, and and that's actually worked pretty well. The difficulty is when you just put a group on on a bus and don't announce where you're going, and 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 that type of thing, and 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 people don't have the the advance warning or the mechanisms to take care of them is where it gets to be a problem. But dispersing this around the country has has been 
you know, part of immigration, effective immigration strategy for, for many years. It's just the way it's being done in this hot political environment right now that that, that makes it difficult. But but again, uh, I, I don't think that it's likely to totally derail the trade. But we've already seen these slowdowns do have an impact. As I say, we measured the one in the border at over over you know $1.6 billion in output so far in the border, 16,000 jobs in that region. I mean, that gets to be significant pretty quickly. Hmm. Ray, you do put out a lot of data that, that you don't charge for. We appreciate that. Our, our budget's pretty slim here at Yolitics. <laughs> um, but what's your message to Texans on this issue? My, my, my last question here for you, what, what do you want to tell Texans uh, when it comes to this? Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, we've had a longstanding history of immigration back and forth from Mexico, and we actually rely on that workforce. The workforce that the people who come from Mexico, who live in Mexico, who come to work, are basically about 10% of the Texas workforce. It's 40% of our construction workforce. It's 40% of our agricultural workforce. It's 30% of our hospitality workforce. We wow. don't have an economy without those folks. The trade is very important. And I think this other issue, I wish we could just step back from the economics and the politics, and really look at it from a humanitarian perspective, because I think that's the only way we're ultimately going to solve this, is to recognize we have to do something that makes it not imperative for these people to try to get here, and, and the problem starts and should end well before it gets to the border. Well, I think it's stunning when you put it into context like that as to how many of those crucial jobs are, are being performed uh, by people who have been coming across. Um, have you heard from any lawmakers after putting this, this out uh, by chance? Uh, let me think. I don't think I've heard from anybody specifically about this one. Um, it would be more likely that would happen during a session or something like that. Or maybe so, after this podcast. is. Should we get somebody on the line here? We, we can bring somebody up here if you want us to. <laughs> Certainly after this podcast. So I don't, I don't need any help, guys. <laughs> uh, my you last thing my last thing for you, Ray, is uh, at this point, uh, this obviously benefits both sides. Who needs whom more? Uh, is Is there one side that needs the other more at this point? And is that in, in in jeopardy of changing at any point? Now, are you, are you talking about politically or or uh, for, for this trade? I mean, this trade is benefiting both sides. Is there one side that needs the other more? Well, the, the trade is clearly benefiting both both countries tremendously, and and, and Texas is actually a net uh, exporter to Mexico, uh, and 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 so we get more net benefit if you just take the dollars and cents of it. Mexico is not as rich a country as the United States and not as prosperous a country. So obviously the importance to Mexico, particularly the Northern Mexico is probably in relative terms, a little more important, but it's vital. I mean, when you stop and think about it, I mean, we're talking about 8 million jobs in the United States. You know, we, we have 150 million or so jobs. That's a big chunk. You're talking about, you know, again, a quarter of the economic activity in Texas. These are very, very big numbers. Uh, and I think both countries have strong, uh, strong case and strong need to keep the trade vital and keep the and, and keep the trade efficient and keep the trade growing but dr before, perryman oh, before we let you go you know wheeler's question led, led to one more here this always when, happens when by the way yeah but i mean i'm sure i'm sure you're seeing the the ads and probably getting the mailers and the text messages these, these political things right now leading up to to march 5th when when you see all this this noise about the border what what's your reaction as a texan as somebody who studies this well, I, I wish we could get away from it. I mean, I wish we, we, we need to be focusing on really solving the problem. And and again, I'm not a legal scholar. I'm not any of those things. But to me, regulating our borders almost has to be a federal function. I mean, I stop and think about how would we have a country if every state had different rules about immigration and that sort of thing. So it's it, being tested, though. Yeah, I know. It's, I know it's being tested. 
And and that kind of, I mean, I think about that, but I, you know, I, I wish we could divorce it from the politics and get back to the real issues and try to solve this and help the people who are being hurt by it, as well as help, help the economy assure that we can grow and prosper. There's major investments in improving infrastructure and Eagle Pass right now and that sort of thing that need to go forward, that need to happen, private capital that, that wants to come in there. There's all sorts of things that could really improve the trade situation dramatically if, if, if we could solve those problems. So I, when I, when I see that stuff, I mean, and I see, you know, you see it from both sides and different things, but I, I, I hate to see it come down to those kinds of issues and those kinds of, uh, of, of sound bites and that sort of thing that, that I don't think really help us solve the problem from either side. Dr. Perriman, thanks for uh, taking the time to walk us through this. Thanks for putting this report together. I, I think that it, 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 it's something that Texans should read. I mean, it's a huge impact on this economy here. And again, after, you know, as Jason was saying, we've all been seeing those ads and getting those mailers. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to remember the other stuff that's coming across that border, too, every day and what it's doing for this state. That's exactly right. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Eolitics. So uh, Ray Perryman, uh, re you know, really giving us sort of the master class in what the numbers are looking like. I didn't mention, and you know, both of our uh, hometown, sort of, I mean, you adopted it as a hometown, Houston. Uh, Houston leads the country as of 2023 in tonnage. So Port of Laredo leads in value of trade. Uh, the Port of Houston leads in, in uh, tonnage of trade. And you know what? All that stuff arrives in both of those places. And then guess what? Those trucks make their way through the state. And, and I did a piece on this several months ago. Uh, the, you know, they sort of project out what these arteries are going to look like in Texas. And I mean, they just get bigger and bigger as the years go because we're going to see more and more of this truck traffic. Our freeways are getting bigger Absolutely. and bigger Absolutely. Well, you know, that's at least what the projections say. I don't wow. know if it's really true. Wow. Uh, and that's why you see all these warehouses popping up too because all that stuff's got to be stored before it's sent out to other places. So then now's the time to be in the warehouse business. Absolutely. Uh, Not a bad place to be. It, it's fascinating to, to, to pull the politics out for a moment and just look at the raw numbers here and what Mexico means. And a lot of folks want to make Mexico out to be the bad guy here. That Mexico is not, you know, could be doing more to prevent the, the flow of, of humanity coming north. To we have country. seen a little bit of a change there, though, in the last we, you know month or two. We have, but just like the the, the president of Mexico said recently, you're not. No one's going to stop migration. No. Put as many walls and fences, rivers, whatever you want there. It's not going to stop. Go it's, anywhere it's just, in the world. They're dealing with this anywhere, anywhere in the world. But but to see what Mexico means to. Texas and to the United States, to jobs in Texas. 16,000 jobs impacted yeah. because of the politics on the border. Not Created mention, by. Created by and impacted, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, because I mean, of the inefficiencies. That, yeah, you're right, that's right, that, that, taken away, actually. But but the, the, the millions of dollars that, that, that our politics is, is stopping yeah. in trade yeah. and the imports and exports. Because of the slowdowns that yeah. happened. Uh, it really is fascinating. We hope that you got uh, as much out of this as we do. I, I, I just thought this was uh, extraordinary when I saw these numbers and I thought, we got to get Dr. Perryman on and thankfully he took our call there. Right. Uh, hey, listen, we know that we've got the big election coming up. Speaking of the border, because that's what all those commercials and ads are about right now. Uh, and uh, wherever you are in Texas, if you want to see the best coverage on election night, Super Tuesday, uh, the primary, March 5th, 
uh, we've got the place for you. This is a place that even the lawmakers, we, we, we hear it all the time from lawmakers in Austin, that this is what they watch on election night. Right. And if you've got a smart TV and you can put apps on your smart TV, like you can put YouTube on there or any of those sorts of things, look on there for WF, WF is in Frank, AA, WFAA plus, okay? And get that app on there. We're going to be uh, on that app on election night, Super Tuesday, March 5th, uh, starting just before the polls close at about 6.45, 6.50 p.m. Yeah. Uh, and we'll take you all through the night. And we're going to cover everything. And we're covering all things Texas. So, you know, on election night, a lot of times people go to maybe one of the, the cable networks or one of the national networks. They, they cover the national view. We're covering Texas only, breaking down the vote in all 254 counties to see how these races are going to go, the Republican race and the Democratic race as well. well actually, if, it's, it's almost the Republican race, the Republican race, and the Democratic race. Because yeah. there's some fractures two in the Republican, Republican Party. Right now. Uh, and, and it's going to be really interesting on election night to see, you know, this horse race, like which side of the party or, or, or which, you know, main politician, because you've got Governor Abbott, right. you know, endorsing some people, and that's at odds in some cases with, you know, Ken Paxton's endorsement of some people. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting night uh, to see where the party goes from here. And to see what the party looks like mm -hmm. at the end of the day after, uh, you know, March 6th. So WFAA Plus, you can watch the live stream of all Texas results. And that is uh, on Apple TV. It's on Roku and Amazon and Fire. Amazon Fire. And then for to, to watch any of these episodes that, that we record next time, we might be a little quieter. Hopefully, somewhere it's a little cooler as well. That's air conditioned. Uh, but you can watch these anytime uh, on YouTube. They come out Wednesday morning, and our podcast, as always, comes out on Sunday morning. We better get out of here before this uh, big truck goes it by here. Rough. I, I know of one viewer who's going to be really not happy about uh, this noise. She works with yeah, us. Yeah. She's one of our big bosses. We've had her on before. And, and <laughs> yeah. why she lets us continue she this hates, podcast. She hates the noise in the background. <laughs> or maybe it's the noise in the foreground. Yeah, maybe it's us. Maybe it's hates. us. Who knows? <laughs> hey, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening, as always, to Yaltics. We appreciate it. And get ready for Election Day. Don't forget, you can still go vote up until Friday. Uh, the 2nd of March. Yeah, early. And then you can vote, of course, on Election Day. Yep. And then, again, WFAA Plus on Election Night. 